0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuber Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Toronto's police chief has
1: sent out an internal memo to all of his officers saying he supports them as they go out in the line of duty every day. The memo from Mark Saunders is prompted by his concern for their safety in light of the shooting deaths of officers in the U.S. Five in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, three in Baton Rouge, Louisiana days ago. And then last night, an officer in Kansas City. Should Toronto's police officers be as concerned for their safety as officers in the United States? Your thoughts on this? We invite your calls here to 416-360-0740 or one 866 Is the chief overreacting? How dangerous is it to be a Toronto police officer as opposed to a police officer in a large American city? And do we take for granted the work they do every day, essentially putting their lives on the line for us every day? Your calls, 416 360 740 740 4740 Security expert and former Toronto Police Officer Ross McLean joins me in studio now to talk about the work uh, faced by Toronto's finest. Ross, welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming to the Zoomerplex.
2: Good to be here with you, Jane. Uh,
1: what are your thoughts about this? Uh, Mark Saunders saying he's concerned about his officers in light of the U.S. happenings.
2: I'm glad to hear him say it. The The chief needs to say it. the The people out in the field, they need the support of the chief. They want to know that the chief understands the problem. And I think they would actually like to see the chief speak out even more and offer more support and have the senior command uh, put out the word that, look, we've got a great police force. They do great work and we're not going to stand uh, for threats against them. We're not going to stand for them being besmirched and and labeled and cursed, called names and disrespected and running down what is really – the front line for our city and our civilization. I'm glad you spoke out.
1: What do you think prompted uh, his voicing of his concern for the safety of his officers? I mean, this is a different country. Canada is clearly a different nation than the U.S. Is it a proximity thing? Is it the right thing to do in light of what's happened? Why would Chief Saunders make this comment?
2: Because the fuse has been lit. The fuse has been lit. Same as you see now with uh, the ISIS terrorism, with the rhetoric that goes out that we see on social media, with videos, uh, with with postings, with tweets, with supporters, with pictures of things that are going on. Uh, that's going out and is bleeding across the country. And what ISIS relies on and uh, what some of these uh, groups who are completely anti-police, they're not even reasonable... Uh, they're stirring up these people, and that's why you're seeing the deaths of the officers by these disaffected uh, people who are easily influenced, uh, who have access to weapons. And you know what? We've got some equally disturbed people here. We've had you know terrorist attacks here because we've got disturbed people that are here that could be influenced. So the police are concerned about that.
1: Both of the suspects who ended up dying um, by police explosives, gunfire uh, in the U.S., Baton Rouge and Dallas, they were former U.S. military uh, people, and uh, it's come out that they both may have had PTSD. And so you. So what, my first thought when you say that it could happen here, of course, we have officers who'd been in Afghanistan. But are they going to feel that same fuel that Black American military officers would
2: feel? Yeah, let me let me uh, respectfully disagree with you uh, and the people who talk about this being PTSD. I mean, that is just a that's just a, a load, and I'm going to tell you why. I know about PTSD. I've interviewed people with PTSD. I've been around people with PTSD. I've studied PTSD. You get P- Getting PTSD does not make you go out and murder people. It does not make you go out and turn against a, a race or a group of people. doesn't do it. It does a real disservice to it. I think what you are seeing here, though, you've correctly identified, Jane, that I believe there is a profile that the police need to be looking at. These are... Ex-military people who've had access to training, who are black, who are disaffected, who are joining groups like the New Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Societies, uh, and those sort of things. Those are the people, and I've got no doubt that those people are being recruited by those groups. They'd like to have them there because for some of these people, anarchy and killing cops is what they want. They, I mean, when, when your enemy tells you they want to kill you and they go out and kill you, you have to believe them. Take them at their word.
1: Ed from Toronto, you're on Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. What would you like to say?
3: I uh, disagree with him in many instances. You'll find most things that happen in the U.S., whether it be New York City versus Toronto, like condominiums were a big thing in New York 10 years at least before Toronto, and we knew it was going to happen here, or most things do. When you, um, and Toronto, for example... Uh, there was a person phoned in on to Libby, I believe, last week. Her son's a police officer, and the woman was just, I guess she was just flabbergasted that her son told her his training tells him to kill, and uh, even the police services have come out with that, that they're supposed to shoot to kill. Now, when you threaten somebody, you're going to get a repercussion from that person, Uh Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. You you realize, uh, uh, the gentleman there, there hasn't been a police shootout in 40 years in Toronto. And there has only been one police officer killed in the last 25, and he was killed with his own gun. Why can't we be civilized like Europe, London and places like that, uh, Brussels, all over, where they actually do have terrorism, and not have frontline officers carry guns. Okay, and, let's, let's and hear
1: Ross's response. We've uh,
3: we, we got to become civilized. You don't get anywhere by walking around with a gun. And somebody came up with a good suggestion, by the way, I heard. Uh, I think it was on TV when they were having these things about the budget. And we shouldn't have two police officers riding around in a car. That's another issue, though, with the budget. And we Uh, will will
1: talk about that. But hang on for a second, Ed. Let's uh, let Ross get in here.
2: Yeah, okay. Let me correct you on a couple of things. There have been many police officers murdered. There was three police officers murdered in Moncton, the RCMP officers who were gunned down. So it does happen. Police do get shoot at. I've been at many police funerals myself. So I'm not sure where you get off on saying that there hasn't been police killings up here. There absolutely has. And in terms of the way the police do their training, the training is not shoot to kill, the training is shoot to end the threat. That's what the training is for that. So, I mean, this is the sort of rhetoric and the sort of uninformed stuff that's getting out on the air sometimes, uh, is when you say things that aren't true. If you want to say things that are true, that's great. But what I'm here to say is what Ed just said isn't true. Police are never, not trained to shoot to kill. They're not trained to shoot And I think to
1: kill. I actually heard that exchange uh, with Libby last weekend. I don't know if it was you, Ross, but somebody with expertise was, in fact, saying exactly what you just said, that you shoot to kill when there's a threat to your own life.
2: Yeah, I mean, and the issue is when it comes to police training that you have to understand when they do it, you have to train, like Toronto has to train 5,000 officers. If they come up with a way to do something, it has to be able to be trained in a reasonable amount of time across a broad span of officers from small women to big men to some people who are good with guns to some people who aren't good with guns. It has to be taught, it has to be effective, and it has to be defensible. So, I mean, that's where the training comes from. A A lot of thought goes into the training. I have to tell you, my training in the police department, I rely on it to this day it was so good.
1: Now, he did mention, Ed, about uh, some discussion about going to single officers in some vehicles, in some cases, in some calls. Is that a non-starter as far as you're concerned?
2: Well, it's starting to get there now. There was an issue. uh, What's happening right now is since the murders of the police officers, the ambush murders in the U.S., they're actually doubling up every car. They're sending two cars to every call. They're triple vetting the addresses where they go to. And in, and in many cases, they said if they feel it's necessary, they will send another backup car to sit there and watch. So the problem is now, as you look at what we're doing with Toronto, for budget reasons, there was lots of talk about going to uh, single offices and cars. And I would actually support that in, in so many ways, except... With the way things are right now, I don't know that it's the right call to go at this time. At the
1: right time. Under
2: this, under this level.
1: Now, in particular, when you look um, at both the Baton Rouge and the Dallas situations, those were effectively sniper attacks. So in terms of prevention, be it here or in the United States, is policing going to have to change its way of thinking? Because the, the killers are in a position of, of power in these situations.
2: Absolutely. You know, the one thing that that we do have going good for us here is we are a different country. Our culture is different uh, for doing things. The U.S., there's much more availability availability of those long guns, those assault rifles that are fully automatic. You can't find those so easily up here. What you can find up here, though, are automatic handguns. Now, the police have, over the course of the last year and a half, actually seized two submachine guns off the streets. So they can make it up here. uh, But really, it's automatic handguns that are more the problem. And the police... Uh, their weaponry is good enough to deal with that for right now
1: 416-360-0740 Jane for Libby Zuma Radio's Fight Back and Winsome from Toronto you're on the air go ahead Oh I can't hear you Winsome we'll move along Norm from Etobicoke go ahead Oh
4: I can't hear you Winsome we'll move along Norm
1: from. <laughs> Norm. You got to turn Norm. your radio down, Norm. Go ahead, please.
5: Hi there. How are you? Good. Thanks. Good, what Norm.
1: your comment?
6: Um, well, I don't think it will be as prevalent here shooting the police as it is in the states. One, we don't have the amount of guns or people on the street. Two is, judging by recent history, our police shoot and kill before they shoot first and ask questions later.
1: I see. There we go. That's um, that. Uh... And I do
6: think my only concern with that is that uh, I know a lot of young people despise the police uh, because of the recent activities, shooting Sammy and the team uh, eight times, uh, shooting mentally ill people and a lot of black people. But the day is going to come where people are going to rise up and we're going to have similar incidents as they are in the States. People are going to get fed up of it. It takes a little longer here, but people will step up and start fighting back. Now,
1: now, haven't uh, Ross, haven't uh, measures been put in place to work with so that the police are better able better able to work with mentally ill patients who they're in situations with confrontations based on things that have happened in the past, like Sammy Yatim, absolutely, and and the fellow outside um, East General Hospital.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the police uh, do well with that. They work well with them for all those things. And, you know, just to correct this caller, uh, you're lumping a whole pile of things together. The police don't shoot first and ask no questions later. And the officer that shot Sammy Yateem was convicted of attempted murder, and he's going to be going to jail. We're probably going to hear about it this week. So we do have an SIU here that investigates and deal with these things. But, you know, on the mental health issue, and I'm going to say this, and even the, D- the Dallas police chief said this, you're making the police to do jobs that aren't their jobs to do. And I've said this before, we see all these reports on use of force i've i've yet to see one that holds the ministry of health to account for dealing with and providing the proper services proper medication proper oversight and working with the police for people where they have their problems that where they're going to get involved with the police and the police can deal with them better they don't do that i mean the, the one man who was shot uh with a hammer over his head uh that was an apartment building that was entirely full of people that had mental health problems and the police didn't know about it and the ministry said that they weren't going to advise the police about it for privacy reasons when the police are going there. So I'd like to see the Ministry of Health really stand up as much as what the police are doing in the, in the issue of doing with that.
1: Don from Toronto, you're on Fight Back on Zoom or Radio. What would you Hi, like Jane. to say? Hi.
6: How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I want to echo the same sentiments as the previous caller. I live in, in Canada since 1969. And the same thing's been going on ever since. I don't know what this expert is talking about. People are tired of being um, railroaded. You know, I got pulled over for driving with my park lights on. That makes no sense.
2: You got pulled over for a highway traffic action That, I,
6: that my, my, my tires were bald for no reason. Just want to get my license and see if I have any tickets. Uh, Don, I am afraid... What happens in the States will happen here. I'm nervous. I'm mm. really, really nervous. You know, I, I pray it doesn't happen.
1: Are you a but person this, of color? It
6: will come to that.
1: Are you a person of color? Yeah. And so you've been here since 1969. Uh, 1969. And have you, do you feel that you have faced outward discrimination by police?
2: All the
6: time. All the time.
2: Caller, can I you ask know- you something? You're, you're, it's, it's good that you called in and said this here. Have you ever laid a complaint against the police? No. Why not?
6: What's the point? gets nowhere. It's
2: well, maybe nowhere. the point is, if you have a complaint and it's valid, it'll be dealt with. But if you're just going to say things, like you're getting pulled over for traffic offenses, for having parking lights out, for having bald tires in your car, and you think that that's only because of your color. I mean, I've I, you know, i had people say that to me when I was on the job before. You know, you're only stopping because of this. And I'm like... No, I'm stopping you because of your infraction. You were speeding at the time for doing something. And some people want to be convinced. And the rhetoric that's going around now is, a lot of black people are feeling this, every time a policeman speaks to them, oh, it's only because I'm black. I mean, the uh, furthest, the furthest uh, thing from the uh, truth.
6: I got pulled over for speeding. I had to pay the fine for speeding. You're speeding. You know, but pulling you over for, for simple things, oh, I thought your tires look, look bald. It makes no sense.
2: Well, you know, one of the issues. I'm for
6: driving with my park lights on, not off. It's not like uh, I had a busted tail or anything. Driving with my parking lights and, on.
1: And Ross, to be fair to Don, there have been we have heard these these types of comments from black people more or less more in the United States but here in Toronto as well uh, that they've been pulled over for these very minor infractions this and and we as white people don't have these similar experiences so the fact that black people say they are overwhelmingly targeted for these minor infractions that you and I aren't I mean there's got to be something to that
2: yeah let me let me clear up a couple of the issues that are working there one of the issues that are working on that and I've railed against this for a number of years is quotas. There was quotas put on things like the carding, quotas put on parking tickets, quotas put on Highway Traffic Act offenses, and that was wrong. And I've helped to out some of the the information on that. And, you know, the, the police have started to back off on doing that uh, from doing those things. And that affects everybody. And let's go into the thing about whether or not you feel you're being, we're not going to have a whole lot of time to discuss this. I've been through all the data on the carding that was come out that, activists' claim makes the police racist. The Toronto Star who did the study didn't say that. Activists said it. They put it in so it sounded like the study said it. But the truth is they didn't do any study on how many whites are stopped, how many whites are stopped multiple times, more than 30 or 40 times, those sort of things. None of that data was looked at. So when you look at the offences, to say that you're picked on more than someone else, you have to have the real data to back that up. And I'm telling you, the worst part of it is the quotas. It's worse for everybody. The police don't even like them.
1: We'll get back to more of your calls talking about Toronto police. Do they face the same kind of security concerns as officers in the U.S.? 416-360-0740, one 740
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host... Jane Brown.
1: We're talking about Toronto's police officers and concern for their safety by Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders who voiced this last night after the recent events of police shot and killed in Dallas, Baton Rouge and Kansas City last night and we're chatting with security expert and former Toronto Police Officer Ross McLean. In fact, tonight there is a vigil being held at the Ontario Police Memorial uh, to remember the victims of the American police shootings so clearly what's happening in the United States, Ross, is affecting the psyche, the minds, and the hearts of the Toronto officers here.
2: Yeah, it is. And, you know, know, the point that the long guns aren't up here is an important point. But what's also happening, though, is all the disrespect that's going towards officers just in the street, it's making arrests and just general policing more difficult. When they go into some of these high crime areas, they're having a hard time because of the, you know, the blowback from this sort of uh, rhetoric.
1: Even here in Toronto? Oh, yeah what kinds of things are happening what are they feeling sensing what are you hearing about
2: that well i've seen death threats specific death threats to officers i've seen death threats to officers families i've seen them
1: gabriel in toronto you're on zoomer radio's fight back hello hi go ahead with your comment my
4: name is gabriel Mm -hmm. i want to say thank you very much to police officers i'm a former montrealer and we used to get robbed a lot there now i moved here to toronto with my job but uh, one time I was in the Eaton Center, and the police officers suggested I go out the side door into towards Bay and not young because there was rioting along young, mm-hmm. and young people were smashing store windows, and the police officers were there with their horses. And I think it's very important to make a comment on how great you people are.:
1: Well, that's great to hear. Thanks for your call, Gabrielle. Paul and Guelph, go ahead.
5: Okay, uh, first of all, hey, I, I agree with uh, your guest. I think, um, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, police officers, you know, I don't think a lot of us realize what a, a tough job it is. You have to be a special individual, you know, to be a police officer. And, um, you know, in this country, you cannot compare Canada with the states, okay, especially with our gun laws, which is, you know, we're way ahead of the states. And, um, you know, I've been around a while, and every time I'm pulled up by a police officer, uh, which isn't often, I may, you know, I've got to make that comment, but I've always found them very pleasant, respectful, okay, and like I say, we have laws to abide by. If you're in a democracy, if you, you, you stick by the laws, okay, you don't have any problems with the police, and I've always found the police to be very pleasant, respectful, and like I say... I think sometimes uh, some updated training to deal with this, with a different generation, which we have now. Um, You know, we have some police officers that, you know, tend to, you know, go a little overboard. But I think uh, uh, more training, uh, you know, in certain aspects of this world is what's needed. But like I say, I have total respect for the police. Tough job. You need to be a special individual.
1: I agree. Paul, thank you so much. And Ross, I did want to speak to you about that, the modernization of the Toronto Police Service and the public meetings that are going on now, uh, putting forward those recommendations by the Toronto Police Service's task force to the public. What would you like to see come out of that that would help the Toronto Police Service and the citizens of
2: Toronto? Well, in brief, uh, I read the report on that. I was in for the lockup on it when they did the study. I've looked at the document, and I'm telling you, it basically it scares me as a taxpayer. Because what you, basically what the police are doing, they're holding these meetings now. They're asking people for input, but they haven't said what they're doing. What the report indicates they're going to be doing is they're only going to be going to priority calls. They're going to be going to priority calls where someone's bleeding. They'll be going to that. If, if there's no bleeding, there's no violence on scene, you can go to a website and fill it in or go to the station and do the report. And they'll have officers sitting uh, doing uh, community service work and some of the tougher things. So what happens? The broad spectrum of police work, which is that 80% in the middle, you know, between the really violent stuff and the talking to people stuff, they're just going to not respond to it anymore. I think taxpayers are going to be surprised by it, and they should be asking the, the, the chief and the board. So tell us, what crimes are you delisting that you're no longer coming to?
1: Okay, good question to ask at these public meetings. There are seven more of them. The next one is on Monday night. Kathy and Etobicoke, go ahead.
4: Um, thank you. I would just like to say that, you know, the, the biggest problem most people have with police officers is that, is that they're rude with, when they're stopped. Not the police officers, but it's your attitude towards the police officer. If you treat the person with respect, you'll be treated in kind. The the fellow that called in saying he's being persecuted all the time because of bald tires. Well, he was being stopped because he's a safety hazard to himself and to everybody else. And for heaven's sakes, get a grip on yourself. It's a major responsibility trying to drive a vehicle and not taking care of anybody else's concerns other than your own. All
1: right, Kathy. thanks for your call. Let's move on quickly here. Rachel in Toronto, go ahead.
4: Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to try to distill I, two issues that I think is, are going on. On one hand, there is a legitimate argument here that citizens should have more literacy, legal literacy, around their rights vis-a-vis police. Do they need to speak? If, if they're stopped, to what are their rights in the same moment? Okay, but there is rule of law in Canada and we fought hard to have rule of law and we treasure it and we need to guard it. And the police help us guard it. There is a process for filing complaints that should be leveraged. So that's on one hand. I just wanted to make that point. Um, the other point I wanted to make is that the Black Lives, um, the Black Lives uh, movement. Right, can you hear me?
1: Yes, we can. We're listening. Okay,
4: Sorry, I'll, I'll finish quickly. The Black Lives Matter movement is hurting their own cause. They have legitimate uh, social um, issues that they're trying to deal with globally. And it's not just black lives. There's a few groups that are dealing with classes of persons that are dealing with different types of oppression, fine advocate for it in an effective way. What action item has been um, uh, paired with the awareness? Okay, Black Lives Matter. Okay, there's an issue. And what do you want us to do about it? Give us an action movement. And the last point I wanna say to give credence to what the guest has said, is that this movement, unfortunately, so unfortunately, has been subverted, okay, by forces like the Occupy movement, by Anonymous, and frankly, by even global terror networks. And it's a real shame because this kind of rhetoric is delegitimizing the actual um, issues that they have. So that's my my statement.
1: Rachel, thank you very much for calling in. Ross, I'll let you have the final word and then we'll
2: move along. I want to say great insights by that caller. I want to touch on the first point she made about people knowing more about their legal rights. They do need to know about them. And what's happening now because of Black Lives Matters, there's a lot of street lawyers who think they don't have to talk to police anymore and they're getting themselves in trouble because trust trust me, when you go to the police college, you learn all the reasons and all the different ways you can stop and people have to talk to you and the people on the street don't know them all and it's leading to problems because people are being told they don't have to talk to the police you're going to see more problems like that i love all your callers even the ones that disagree because it's the only way we learn anything is by talking so thanks very much for having me today
1: and thanks for being in today ross we had to leave callers on the line it's a sensitive a passionate topic for a lot of people our police officers vigil tonight at the ontario police memorial at
0: queen's park to remember the victims of the american police shootings